0: Good morning, morning. welcome to week three of a series called unseen. And if you've ever been in conflict with somebody else that you can lay eyes on somebody else, you can argue with somebody else you think you may not like this series is for you because what we've been talking about is how we think we have these enemies that they're really not our enemies, our enemies aren't people. Not our husband, not our wife, not our parents. Our enemy, according to what the scripture says, is unseen. And everything we're talking about comes from the New Testament book of Ephesians in chapter 6, verse 10, where the apostle Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities... Against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This section of scripture is intended to give us perspective. Perspective on the battles that we all fight. Because we've all been in conflict with someone else. Or more than one someone else. And what this section of scripture is trying to say is you can win the battle. But you have to focus on the right enemy. And when we don't focus on the right enemy, we lose the battle and the enemy wins. So over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about, well, what is this battle? Well, it's the the cosmic battle between good and evil. That's the battle. And what's at stake? Our souls. Because you've got the good on one side, God, who is all love, all grace, all power Who wants to have every person come to repentance and be in a relationship with Christ. But then on the other side, you have the power of evil. That's led by Satan himself, a real spiritual being. We talked about him last week and how Satan even came to exist Satan was an angel, a good angel with God. He rebelled. He was thrown out of heaven. And now his job has been on this earth to cause as much destruction as he possibly can. If you weren't here last week, you need to go online and listen to the message about the origin of Satan, the origin of evil and how his armies affect us in this world. One thing about Satan is he's not more powerful than God. But when we look at our world It's easy sometimes to say, well, how's good winning? Because I just saw in the news where a little 11-year-old girl was murdered by two boys because they wanted her bicycle parts. And they stuffed her in a recyclable receptacle. Just this week, I got a call from a friend who's a pastor in another state. And he was getting ready to walk into the hospital and sit with the family As they unhooked life support from their 17-year-old daughter who had committed suicide. When you look at all of that, you feel like, well, okay, then how is good winning? How is God more powerful? How can I win? The young girl that committed suicide, he said that, that they worked with her and worked with her. Because she just went through life with this feeling inside that she was all alone and everything she faced she thought she faced it alone until finally last week she couldn't deal with it anymore and she downed a bunch of pills and she died one thing about our battles that we have to understand is we cannot win the battle alone because when we look at a world that's broken a world that has a lot of evil in it we have the bad things happen to us Evil going after us in our lives. We think I can't win. And alone you can't win. But Jesus left us with some teaching. That shows us that we don't have to be alone. We know we can't win the battle alone. You're not strong enough alone, alone to fight evil. So we need help. We need someone to fight for us. When Jesus was on earth, he called people to him and he had this inner circle of 12 people that he taught, that he counted on, that he wanted them to take his message and spread it to the world. And as they listened to him, they started to realize Jesus said a lot of times that he wasn't going to be around much longer. And so they started to be worried. They started to wonder, "Okay, Jesus is with us now. This is great. I mean, I got Jesus with me. I'm not afraid of anything because, hey take it up with Jesus. He's standing right here. They no doubt love that. Wouldn't that be awesome? I mean, he's just right there all the time, wherever you are, he's standing right there. And that's what they had experienced. And then he starts to talk about he's leaving. They start to panic. And then in the new Testament book of John chapter 14, Jesus says this, as they are beginning to worry about where is he going? Why is he leaving us? He says, I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus is making them a promise. I'm not going to leave you alone. And he uses the illustration of orphans. In the first century, there was nobody to stand up for orphans. If, if you were orphaned in the first century, you, you were done. There's, there was no way you could ever get out of poverty. There was no way you could ever leave this desperate lifestyle. There weren't organizations that went around and tried to gather up the orphans and make sure they got put in an orphanage and taken care of and educated and fed and clothed. That didn't exist. So if you were an orphan, you were truly all alone and you had nobody. Even today, when you look at third world countries, you see kids who live on the street, kids who have been abandoned, kids whose parents have been killed Occasionally, somebody with vision will raise up and say, we have to do something about this. And they fight for those orphans so they don't have to feel alone. And Jesus is saying, I won't leave you in a condition where you ever have to feel like you're alone. And he promises something. He promises this advocate, this spirit. He promises his holy spirit if you're a follower of Christ when you made a decision to follow Christ obey him simultaneously you would you will, you received his holy spirit which lives inside of you now oftentimes in church when people start talking about the holy spirit it gets a little weird people start yelling People start saying things you can't understand. And maybe if you've experienced that, you're like, oh boy, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. You know, they bring people down, smack them on the head, see what happens. I mean, all kinds of strange things can happen when people start talking about this, this Holy Spirit. But just because there's some misuse and misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that he does not have great power in our lives to change things. Never changed at all on the inside, that was because of the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not good enough to come to God and say, hey, I fixed myself up. Check it out. Jesus said, no, you, you need an advocate. You need somebody to fight for you. There's two big misunderstandings when I hear people talk about the Holy Spirit. Many times, I hear people talk about the Holy Spirit as an it. Now, that probably came from, if you ever read the King James Version of the Bible... Which some of you may have grown up reading. It didn't say Holy Spirit, it said Holy Ghost. And so you think ghost, that's an it. And so the Holy Spirit starts to be referred to as an it. It, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, it, it, it. Well, the Holy Spirit isn't an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. I mean, ladies, when your husband comes home in the evening, you don't say, well, it's home again. (laughs) Uh, I guess I got to feed it. Eat. It's going to want to lay on the couch. It's going to want to watch some TV. If you're doing that, you shouldn't. (laughs) But you say, he's here or she's here. And so when it comes to God's Holy Spirit, he is a he. Jesus referred to his spirit as a he. And some people misunderstand that and call the spirit an it. But he is a he. He is also fully God, he's not a lesser God. He's not, he's not like kind of God. He's not just, he is fully God. Now that brings up what's called by theologians, the doctrine of the Trinity, which says that God exists in three personalities, one God, three personalities, but each distinct personality is still fully God kind of miss it kind of messes with when you read Genesis chapter one, when it says that God says, let us make man in our own image. There's plural, not a plurality of God's, but more than one distinct personality of God. And so for centuries, theologians have tried their best to explain, well, this is how when Jesus says, I pray to the father and ask the father, is he really praying to himself? No, he's, he's appealing to the other person of God, not another God, but another person of God, another another expression and personality of God. Think of it like this. If you're getting ready to eat an apple, there's three major parts to an apple. There's the peel, there's the core, and then there's the flesh part that you eat. If you peel an apple and I lay the peel down, if you take the core out and I lay it down and and the flesh there and I lay it down and I say, pick up one of those that's not apple. Well, each of those parts... Uh, individually, you can say, you can hold up an apple peel and say, this is apple, 100%. You can hold up the core and say, this is 100% apple. You can hold up the part that we eat and say, this is 100% apple. So that's a way to think about the way the Trinity works together and has distinct personalities and individual, personality, individual personalities and one overriding personality, which is God. So the Holy Spirit is a he, the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit was not created. The Holy Spirit, because he is God, has always existed. Last week I talked about how Satan was created, an angel who fell, rebelled, God threw him out of heaven and he took a bunch of angels with him and those became demons. The Holy Spirit has always existed. He is not a creation. He just is. He just eternally is the same way the father in heaven eternally is. And the same way the son eternally is. So that's who he is. And then Jesus also talks about some of what he does in this section of scripture in John chapter 14. When he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate. To help you, to to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The word advocate comes from a Greek word that's pronounced parakletos. And it just simply means someone who is called to stand beside of another, to speak for them. Just the same way orphans, sometimes somebody will raise up and say, These orphans need an advocate, someone to speak for them, someone to help them get what they need. The father says, You need my spirit to be your advocate, to help you in your battle, to help you with understanding, to help you do things you would never do on your own, and many, many other things. I'm going to outline a few of the things the Holy Spirit does, and the rest of them you'll have to either download the small group discussion guide or go to your small group this week and talk a little more in depth about what the Holy Spirit does. One of the things that the Holy Spirit clearly does in our lives is The Holy spirit breaks down barriers in the book of acts chapter two, this promise that Jesus made that the Holy spirit was going to come starts to be played out and it's played out new Testament book of acts chapter two, when all the disciples are together in Jerusalem, it's the day of Pentecost, which was a, a, a religious day for Jews, 50 days after Passover. And the Jews from all over the region, it says all over the world were there. And if you read chapter 2 of Acts, put that in your notes so you can read it. It lists all the different areas, all the different regions people were from. And while they're there, some really bizarre things start to happen. A wind, something, everything starts shaking. They see like... Something like fire coming down from the skies. And then they start to hear the people from all of these regions, a dozen or so that are listed in in the book of Acts, start to hear people speaking God's word in their language, not just their language, but even their dialect. And so there were all these people from different parts of the world who came upon Jerusalem because of the day of Pentecost. And they hear What they didn't expect to hear, which are people from Galilee speaking in a language they didn't ever study. Speaking in an intelligible language that people could understand depending on where they were from. And everybody was kind of freaked out by that. Like, what? I'm hearing these people. Well, maybe they're drunk. That's what it is. People talk funny when they're drunk. So maybe these people are drunk. But then they come to discover, no, it's the spirit of God working in those people to break down barriers because all of those people from different areas of the world who were jews and jewish converts they didn't necessarily like each other even though they were all good people they all loved god they, they didn't really like each other it's kind of like duke unc and state fans especially unc and state fans after yesterday right so Some of you feel like I just wasted three hours of my life. I can never get back. And some of you are like, wasn't that the most awesome, spectacular finish ever in the history of football games? Now, in this room, we probably have all three. But we've learned to live together somehow. And there's parts about each other we just don't like. Depending on who you like better. But we somehow figured out how to live in a city in an area altogether. That's how these people were. There were tensions between them. There were reasons they didn't like each other. There were differences of interpretation of scripture. There were differences in, in views of God and, and a lot of differences based on economic class. And so they start to hear these people from Galilee, who were considered country bumpkins, speaking in a language that they knew those guys would have never studied. And so they start to wonder what in the world is going on. You know how most of you probably are not from the Raleigh area. I mean, most of us came from somewhere else like I did. But when you meet somebody from the Raleigh area who grew up here, don't they talk just a little bit differently? Or if you just go out a few miles in either direction, they talk just a little bit differently. And so not only were these People talking in another language, they were talking in different dialects. It would be like you move from the north, you come down here. It takes us a while to get the accent into you. But after a while, you start to talk like the rest of us. Normal, right? (laughs) And so these people in this story in the book of Acts, all of a sudden started to see these people with whom they had A lot of disagreements with they would have never interacted with any other way because of the social class system. And God starts to break down barriers. And those barriers were broken down because his Holy Spirit showed up. If you insert the Spirit of God into any situation where there's conflict with humans, barriers will come down. Think about it. When someone is against you, when someone speaks against you, if someone confronts you or or speaks in ways they even shouldn't, even if it's in your family, if it's if, if your parents, the teens, teens to parents, if one of those two people, at least one of them, inserts the spirit of God in the way they respond, in the way their attitude is expressed outwardly, barriers will start to come down. I've done well at this in the past and I've done horrible at this. Doing what I do, occasionally... There will be someone be critical. Now, most uh, the great majority is like, "Thank you, great job, we love it, all that kind of stuff." And I love that, but you also have to understand when you do something publicly, then there's going to be critics. And I've noticed over the years, as I've handled it in a correct way, when there's a critic, handled it by saying, "You know what? I I, I probably goofed up. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I didn't mean for that to offend you. I, I, that was my fault." I claim ignorance or, or just say, I, I'm, I'm guilty. I'm sorry. Watch the barriers come down. If you say that other than being total, total idiot, I don't know why I did that. And all of a sudden barriers start to come down. Now there have been times when I didn't do a great job with speaking with the spirit of God in the tone of my voice. I remember this one episode in particular, not at this church. This kind of stuff doesn't happen here. This was at another church many, many years ago. And this lady had this really big beef with me. I mean, she was like finger in the face. Like it just blah, 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 blah. Let me have it. And I said what I thought was a biblical response, but it probably didn't come across word. It. it was one cross correctly. It was one word and it was the word repent. I mean, that's biblical, isn't it? To tell somebody to repent, it didn't go over the way I hoped it would. And I would imagine when she Here's my name to this day. There's probably like a. Mm. What if I had responded with the spirit of God? What if I had let the spirit dictate what was on my lips instead of my anger? The barrier may have been broken down. So if you're in the middle of conflict with a spouse, with a child, with a parent, with a coworker, And you start to insert God's spirit in the way you respond in the way you talk to them and about them, those barriers will start to come down. That's what happened 2,000 years ago. All these different people gathered together and God used his spirit to enable these guys to speak in other languages. And all of a sudden the barrier was broken down and 3,000 people responded to a message that they heard on how they should receive Jesus Christ and his grace and forgiveness 3000 and it all happened because the barrier was broken down. The spirit of God burst onto the scene and people listened. The same thing can happen in our lives. When we do that, the Holy spirit will give you power to do what you could never do on your own. Just before All the stuff in Acts happened with the the amazing appearance of the Holy Spirit. Jesus appeared to his disciples and he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What he's saying is, I'm going to enable you to do something you could never do on your own. What are the odds that 12 uneducated guys, most of whom are just fishermen or unemployed or are converted sinners? What are the odds that those guys could take a message to the world that we're talking about today in Raleigh, North Carolina, half world away, 2000 years later? Pretty slim. We're not that smart. But by the spirit of God. They were able to do that. There have been times in my life. I remember one particular uh, season of ministry. That I felt hopeless. That fear gripped my soul. And I couldn't make a decision. I couldn't. Well should we do this? Should we do that? And I didn't know. Because I was just so fearful. So I was just frozen. So I thought I'll just read my Bible more. That'll be better. And it didn't work. I'll just pray harder. That'll make it better. It didn't work. I'll just be more disciplined and I'll read books on how to make decisions and that's going to work. It didn't work. All of my best efforts failed, but there was a moment sitting in our living room. When I said to my wife, I'm just going to have to let God handle this because I can't do it. And all of a sudden, as soon as it was like, almost as soon as the words came out of my mouth, there was a peace that came. And then a power to start to do things and make decisions and have impact that I never would have been able to do otherwise. We need God's spirit living in us in order to do things that we could never do on our own. Sociologist Morris Massey. Suggests that there's four major periods that a person goes through in creating their values and their personality. The first one he calls the basic programming period. That's from birth to age four. And that's when the mind is just soaking up everything. Then there's the imprint period that occurs from uh, all the way from birth all the way up to age seven. Where things that happen are going to shape this child for the rest of their lives. And most of that's being imprinted by the environment that they're in. And then from ages 8 until 13, there's the modeling period where we start to try to replicate what we see in our environment, in our household, and people that have influence in our lives. And then there's the socializing period from ages 14 to 21 when everything is kind of getting put in concrete in regard to our values and our personality. And this guy says, after age 21... It is hard to change somebody. And the only way someone can be changed after around the age of 21 is something major happening in their life. A a tragedy. A huge hurt. A huge blessing. An illness. Something has to happen in order for change to come about in a person's life after that age. And that matches with research done by the Barna Group that says... People who become a follower of Christ, 77% of people who become followers of Christ do so before they're 18 years old. Which means as we get older, we're more resistant to changing. I mean, think about it. I've given up on trying to change my mother. Forget it. She is 78 years old and she's going to be her no matter how many more years she lives. Forget it. It's not going to happen. So the only way we can change as we get older... Is to rely on something external to come into our lives and change us. I've seen people over the age of 21 change. But they don't change because they got so smart and figured it out. They change because the spirit of God and their lives intersected and clashed together in a way that made them listen. That woke them up. That made them say there's got to be something more. We're part of a network of churches called the New Thing Network. If you go to newthing.org, you can read all about that. One of our churches in our network called New Thing uh, did a story on a guy that came to their church out in Colorado and it changed him forever. And I want you to see a snippet of this guy's story.
1: I was a suicidal, drug-addicted, alcoholic that uh, was ready to cash it all in. I was the dark, you know. I was the person you didn't want your kids hanging out with. I sold drugs to gangs and, and ran with biker clubs and uh, you know, did a lot of things in my life that I'm not real proud of. You know, at the time I thought I was on top of the world, you know. I had had what I thought I wanted to, to be happy, but uh, looking back on it now, never was I more alone in my life. I wanted to see my kids one last time before I before I planned to drive up into the mountains and just drive off a cliff because I was. It's just where I was at, and uh, you know, my ex-wife uh, said the only place I could see the kids was at that church, and uh, she arranged everything. And I wasn't a real nice person when I came that night either. <laughs> I remember I went off into the corner, and uh, and everybody went in there, and the music started, and I was just sitting there. And I remember I was wearing a, a Detroit Red Wings hat and a Colorado Buffalo shirt and this ball guy comes up to me and he says isn't that kind of a contradiction and uh, he started talking about sports and, and even in my state that I'd been in I've always been a sports fan I love sports and uh, he started talking sports and he started talking my language and he was really easy going and and, uh, and he, you know we talked for a couple minutes and uh, never asked him his name never said who he was and uh, he said he had to go and I, I went in and sat next to my ex, you know, because that's what I was supposed to do. And uh, lo and behold, when uh, the pastor walked up on stage, it was that same guy. You know? For that one small second, I was open to it. Oh, man. My God kicked that door open. I and mean, he didn't just open the door, he kicked it right out there. Just, you are an amazing guy, because if there was ever anybody that didn't deserve what you've given me. It's me. I'm a walking miracle man.
0: So the spirit of God, when he shows up, barriers are broken down. When he shows up in our lives, he enables us to do things we could never do on our own, like that story right there. He also gives us in the middle of everything that's going on in our life, this peace that goes past anything that we can understand. Have you ever seen someone in the middle of a, maybe one of the most difficult times of their life, a tragedy and people who have the spirit of God in them. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's horrible. Yes, yes. It's maybe something you never get completely over and forget, but people who have the spirit of God in them seem to walk through a tragedy in life differently. A couple years ago, I remember this story on the news. It was during uh, all the Wall Street stuff and, and when all the Bernie Madoff stuff happened and, and he was being prosecuted. And, and there were these people out protesting because they wanted him you know, executed or something because he stole all their money. This Ponzi scheme, he took all their money and he invested it in ways they didn't know and he lost it all. And so these people had lost their life savings. And so this reporter was out and he was just going down the right by the barricade. He was going down asking questions and he was getting a pretty common response. Hey, what do you think they ought to do to this guy? And then what they would say, they would have to beep out half of it because people are really ticked off and upset. And he gets to this one lady who was in her early 70s and asks her, tell us what happened. And she said, we're in our early seventies, we'd managed to save over our lifetime, $3 million. It's all we had. We had, no, we have no other money anywhere and it's all gone. And the reporter's like, I bet, I bet you, I bet you're ticked off. And he was just trying to bait her to say something very similar to what the other people had said. But she said this, she said, you know, uh, it, it's bad and it hurts. I'm not sure what we're going to do, but I have. My family, I have my health, I have my faith in God and we'll figure out a way to make some more money. And then she said some things about forgiveness about the person who took her money. So the reporter is like, okay, I'm not programmed to respond to something like that. So he didn't know what to say. And there was just this awkward silence. And then he was like, okay, let's get on somebody else that hates this guy and wants to see him burn in hell. Like no comment about what the lady said, but in the middle of losing $3 million and at that age, you're probably not going to get it back. You're not, you don't have enough time to make it back. She had this peace that went beyond the understanding of the person asking the question and probably everybody else there. And. I don't know if she's a follower of Christ. She said she had faith in God, but only the spirit of God could give someone the peace to face something like that and still have your chin up. Still be looking with optimism at the future. And so as you face things in life that you will face because this world is not heaven. This world has evil in it. And so we are going to have to face very difficult circumstances in life. Jesus, prom- Jesus told us that was going to happen. You can read through the New Testament of that happening to first century Christians. You can look at the news today and you can see it happening. But because of his spirit in the middle of all of that. We can have a peace that goes beyond all human understanding. Romans 8 verse 6 says, The mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace. If you took a peace test right now and you wrote one for no peace, ten for peace, where would you fall on the scale? And every number below ten is an area where you need to understand that God's spirit, if you're a follower of Christ, lives in you so you can have peace peace in the middle of the storm or whatever is going on in your life. And if you're not a follower of Christ and you're here for the first time and you're just checking out church and you're thinking, okay, I want in on this. How do you get this, this Holy spirit? You just ask? you just, what do you do? I would love to talk to you about it. Just when we're finished, I'll just hang out down here and, and just come down. Joel will hang out down here with me and we'll talk to you about, well, this is how you can know you have God's Holy spirit living inside of you. To be able to have barriers broken down. To be able to do things you couldn't do on your own. To be able to to have a peace that passes up all understanding. Because if we are going to win this spiritual battle that we're all in. This unseen battle. It's going to have to come from something much stronger than us. And that is our advocate. The Holy Spirit. Who fights for us. Who stands up for us. And who helps us every day. Step of the way in life. After the apostle Paul said. Your battle is not against flesh and blood. But against rulers. And powers. And against evil in the heavenly realms. He says therefore. Put on the full armor of God. And over the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about. What the full armor of God is. What are all those metaphors in that verse. That's on the screen mean. So come back next week and and hear how practically day-to-day you can have these things in your life which will help you win the battle. Let's pray. God, thank you for your spirit who lives in us, gives us strength, confidence, and hope. God, thank you that you make him available to us and you allow him to live within us. And God, for the people in the seats today that need to take another step to renew that or to receive that. I pray that you just give them the courage after we're finished, just to come down and have a conversation. I pray this in Jesus name. Amen.